guys welcome back to the oh my allergies podcast if you're new i'm your hostess with the mostest valencia and the oh my allergies podcast is a show about all things allergies so whether that's food allergies seasonal allergies whether you're allergic to beauty products medicine etc it's really just a community and a space to be able to talk about questions and issues that people with allergies face so in today's episode i'm going to be talking about can you actually be allergic to makeup and how you can tell if you're allergic to beauty products. Just because I know typically when people think about allergies and being allergic to things they typically think oh yeah food allergies oh yeah pollen seasonal allergies mold dust etc nobody really talks about how you can be allergic to beauty products and makeup and things of that sort so i wanted to be able to shed light on that topic today so before i get into all of that fun interesting stuff you guys know i have to talk about what's been going on So what's going on with me? So besides the fact that I'm still, you know, doing some work from home, um, whether that's actually doing, you know, this um, job that I have or whether that is, you know, working on the podcast, doing that type of stuff, doing a lot of brainstorming. I've also been watching some TV shows just because when I'm not doing that, I want to be able to relax my mind a little bit and just to be able to watch some television. So I have been watching this new show. I talked about it, I think, in last week's episode just a little bit because I started watching it and then I stopped because I got sidetracked with another show. So I actually saw the first episode. The show is called Upload. It's a show that's on Amazon Prime. So the show takes place in 2033. In this show, people are able to kind of like quote unquote upload themselves into like this virtual afterlife of their choosing. So there's this guy, his name's Nathan. He's like a computer programmer and he ends up dying untimely and he He's uploaded to this very expensive, um, I guess, server called the Lakeview. But then he um, finds out that he is under like the control, I guess, like of his possessive, you know, still living girlfriend. Her name is Ingrid. And so basically the show is about him adjusting to like the pros and cons of him being in this like virtual afterlife type of situation. And then he ends up bonding with this girl who is his. Um, they call them like quote-unquote angels in the show but she's like basically a living customer service representative for him and so he ends up bonding with her a lot and while that main storyline's going on the girl that's his customer service rep her real name is Nora she is struggling with you know not only the pressures of doing her job as a customer service rep for this Lakeview place but also her dad is dealing with some illness and he doesn't want to be uploaded and you know navigating that and trying to convince him you know why he should be uploaded you know when or if he passes away and she starts developing feelings for um the guy Nathan so that's basically what the show's about I saw a couple episodes and so far I really like it and I would recommend it I am a really big fan of Robbie Amell and he's like really funny so when I saw the first episode I was like laughing my pants off because he's just so funny and I've seen him in other projects 
project. So whether that was like Andrew Jackson VP when I was younger, or, you know, I know he did this show on CW called Tomorrow People, but I think that this show probably, I don't know, it's probably say this show would be my favorite of his. And I know that he did that movie, The Duff, which is one of my like favorite movies. So, so far I like the show and I heard that the show got renewed for another season. So I'm really excited about that and to be able to get more in depth into this show. So another show that I haven't started watching yet, but I got the first episode because I noticed that it was on the iTunes store was this show called Little Fires Everywhere. Now I know that's a show that's on Hulu and I've heard so many people talk a lot about this show and sing its praises. So I got the first episode because I wanted to see whether or not I would actually like it because I don't have Hulu. And so I was like, oh, like it's on the iTunes store. Let me check it out. So I have the first episode and I have not watched it yet, um, but I will be sure to, of course, update you guys on, you know, what I think about the show, that type of thing based off of the first episode. Now I've heard of the book before since I read a book by the same author. I believe her name is Celeste um, Ingu, I want to say. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but I want to say that's the name of the author. And so I've written, I've read another book by her. And so I'm really interested to see how this book plays out. I did not read the book, so it would just be me like watching the show and kind of getting a feel for it. But I know that it stars like Reese Witherspoon and Carrie Washington. So I'm excited about that, especially because I watched the morning show and I really like Reese Witherspoon on the morning show. So I know they're probably going to be a little bit different characters, but I'm starting to like her as an actress. So I'm excited to see what she brings to this role. And I've not really seen Carrie Washington act in everything. Like I wasn't really into Scandal when Scandal was on television. So this would be one of my first times actually like sitting down and actually seeing her act. So I'm really excited about that. And hopefully the show ends up being really good. Um, But let's see. I want to say that's it for what's been going on with me. Mainly just been working, working on the podcast and um watching TV shows, trying to find different ways to keep me interested. Oh, I've been playing around with this one program that I recently downloaded. It's called Affinity Designer. I've been playing around with that on my computer because I wanted to get more into doing like graphic design type of work and doing like digital illustrations. And so I have been working a lot in that app in my free time to be able to learn the software a little bit more and feel a little bit more comfortable with it and to be able to enhance my skills during this time because, you know, it would be cool and it's something that I wanted to do and I have the time to do it. So I was like, hey, like, why not? So I downloaded it on my computer. So I've been playing around with that. And then I've been trying to see if I want to download Procreate. So, so far I like this Affinity Designer and I've heard so many great things about Procreate for the iPad. So I might end up getting it, but I'm still like on the edge like, eh really know. So updates to come on that. And yeah, I think that's all that what's been going on with me. So I guess I can get right into the foodie light. So my first foodie light is from Daya, which is so crazy because if you told me maybe even like three years ago that one of my foodie likes would be from Daya, I would be like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, no, it wouldn't just because in years past and even past like three years ago, maybe more so like five plus years ago when I tried Daya before, like I just wasn't wasn't really a fan of like how the cheese melted and how the cheese would taste the next day on pizza. Like I just really wasn't a fan of like the consistency, but I saw on this pizza that they said that they improved like the recipe for their pizza and stuff like that. So wanted to try it and their pizza that I tried was their gluten-free cheese lovers pizza. Now I didn't want to get gluten-free on purpose. It was just that the store that I went to Sprouts, they only either had their vegetable crust pizza and then their gluten-free pizza. And when I 
I looked on their website, on Dai's website, they didn't have like a pizza that just had like regular crust. It was either, like I said, the gluten-free thin crust one or getting their vegetable crust one. And I was not really in the mood to try vegetable crust, to be honest. So I was like, okay, we'll take a chance on this gluten-free crust. So it's specifically called the Cheese Lovers. So it has their mozzarella, dairy-free shreds, and then their cheddar style shreds. And guys, that was actually surprisingly good. And I say surprisingly because when I've had gluten-free crust that's like in the freezer section before, hasn't really tasted that great. But what's cool about this pizza, it's not only it's gluten-free crust, but it also has like a tomato basil sauce on it. And I tried it and it was actually really good. It had like the really good cheesy consistency, but I did feel like there was a lot of cheese on it. And one thing I do wish that I did see was that they had an option there that didn't have that much cheese on it. Now, granted, I know that this is called the Cheese Lovers Pizza, but I would like for there to be a little bit more diversity in terms of options for the pizza. And then another pizza that was picked up was from Dai as well, and it was their uh, gluten-free, I think it was their Meat Lovers Pizza. I want to say. Yeah, it was their meatless meat lovers pizza. So on that one, it has like 100% plant-based soy and meat-free pepperoni slices and also uh, sausage crumbles as well that are also plant-based. And they're soy-free and then they're meat-free as well. And that actually tasted really good, but it was actually kind of spicy too, which was something that I really did not expect at all. Like I was like, whoa, this is kind of spicy. But really like that too. I would probably get both of them again if I wanted like if I wanted another like frozen pizza because okay so these are like the pizzas that have been like in our like what's the word that I'm looking for like as far as our different options that we choose from so my favorite all-time vegan pizza is the Amy's Kitchen vegan margarita pizza that pizza is the bomb.com guys like I've not been able to find it literally anywhere and I'm like really sad about it then I like this other pizza that I've talked about on the podcast before. I believe it's from the brand American Flatbread and it's their Vegan Harvest Flatbread. That tastes really good. And then I would say I like the Daya Cheese Lovers Pizza and then their Meatless Meat Lovers Pizza. So basically the order that I've talked about on this episode so far. But I would recommend both of the pizzas that I mentioned today. They tasted really good and yeah. So another foodie like, well no, I don't think I have another one. I think that wraps up my foodie likes guys so now that i am done with my foodie likes i guess i can get right into the allergy news so i have actually two allergy news articles for you guys today I have the one that I had planned for this podcast episode, but then I have like an emergency one that I was like, I found out about over the weekend and I was like, guys, like I have to tell you guys about it. So it's basically about the fact that the FDA announced that they are having temporary flexibility policy that's regarding certain labeling requirements for foods for people during the whole COVID-19 pandemic. So they issued a 
guidance document that provided, you know, some guidelines on flexibility for food labeling. And the goal of this document is to be able to provide regulatory flexibility where appropriate to be able to help with minimizing the impact of any disruptions supply chain wise on product availability because of the circumstance that we are all in today. So with this flexibility for manufacturers, it allows them to be able to make minor formulation changes in certain circumstances without having to make any changes to the labels. Which when I saw, you know, on my Instagram feed about this announcement from the FDA, everybody pretty much went bonkers as well as myself because I'm like, that's crazy that they have temporarily the ability to be able to make changes to these labels for foods and they don't have to change the label. You know, I would at least think that they would at least put a sticker on these products that are gonna possibly go through through any type of formulation change or at least these manufacturers update their websites to be able to say hey you know as a blah 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 date you know the formulation changed minorly and then like include on the website what what changed and basically outlining if there's any food allergens that are associated with any of the minor formulation changes that happen with the product like and the crazy thing about this whole thing is that not only is it a scary time for people who have top eight allergies, but for people who have food allergies, but their allergen doesn't fall within, you know, the top eight that has to be listed on food labels. And so for people who have a sesame allergy, which is something that has been emerging and has been found in more and more and more and more people that have it, and those types of allergies don't even have to be on food labels. And it's just like, you don't, you don't even know, for an example, you might get some type of a cooking oil or food with oil, and you don't know if the food labeling for that product for, let's say, sunflower oil, it could be subbed in with a sesame oil or or it could be subbed in with an oil or something like a peanut oil that you could possibly be allergic to, but these companies don't even have to talk about the minor formulation change for their products because of the times that we're living in. And that is what's completely very disturbing and very just mind mind blowing to me that, that they're letting them do this. And so I know that there's some companies that I know of, well, not food companies, but other different food allergy resources that are um coming out and saying things to food companies and saying that as consumers who manage food allergies, you know, people rely on accurate food labels. And with this whole policy allowing label flexibility, that people need to know that they can depend on the accuracy of these organizations as labels. And a company like Spookin, who is really making it possible for people to navigate their allergies a lot, you know, easier, that they posted some stuff on their Instagram and were saying, you are among the largest food companies and tagged a lot of companies like Pepsi and Nestle and Kraft and Mondelez and 
General Mills and all of these really big companies so that they can really make sure that their databases are updated so that they can make sure that they're sharing with the 32 million Americans who have food allergies and their life depends on whether or not they're consuming these food allergens. Like it's just crazy in that these companies are allowing this stuff to happen. And there are some companies who have come forward based off of things that I've seen on my um, feed that they are not going to be changing any types of formulations and that you can rely on the label that is currently on their food products which just makes it a lot easier but like gosh like this just adds like a whole nother headache to when you go grocery shopping it's already hard to be able to find some of the foods that you can eat as a person with food allergies because you're competing with a lot of people that are buying in bulk and buying up a lot of the stock and all this other type of stuff basically buying things like they are a Costco member or like they're a Sam's Club member but now you don't even know if the foods that you're purchasing from the grocery store are even safe enough for you and your family because these companies don't even have to notify you that they're making these changes to their food labels and that's very frightening so I wanted to talk about that. I wanted to give you guys my thoughts on this topic because it's something that I recently, recently found out about and I wanted to talk to you guys about it. Really just bring awareness to this new FDA policy that is just crazy. It's just crazy. So I know a lot of people on social media are contacting these companies and being like, yeah, are you guys going to be up dating your food labels or are you going to be making minor formulations to your uh, ingredients that you're putting in your food products and if it's going to affect the food allergy community. So I know there's a few different brands that have come forward already and have said that they are not going to be making any type of minor formulation changes to their products and that what you see is what you get. What's on the food label is literally what you're getting and that you're not being deceived in any sort of way, which is fan-freaking-tastic. But we're going to need more and more companies to be able to step forward and to be able to lead by example, especially these bigger companies, because it's it's really because you're putting people's lives at risk, ultimately. And there are so many people who deal with food allergies. Like I said, 32 million Americans deal with food allergies. And for that many people to have to deal with food allergies and for something like this to happen. Now, I know on their website, they do say, as in their website, I mean the FDA. Now, they do have something a part of their guidelines called safety and it says the ingredient being substituted for the labeled ingredient doesn't cause any adverse health effects so that includes like food allergies gluten sulfites and other foods that are known to cause any types of sensitivities and some people certain types of people etc so I do like that that's in there but you won't even really know and be able to have some type of inner peace with yourself because it's not like these companies have to put a sticker on their boxes that have been updated on their products that have been updated or it's not like they're gonna be updating their website saying okay like there's gonna be some finer formulation changes and such and such products of our product line you know what I'm saying so I think that there's gonna be a lot more companies who are gonna be forced to have to come forward and actually say and admit that hey we are gonna do this we are gonna make minor formulation changes or hey we're not gonna do that and you can have 
have a peace of mind that we aren't and that you don't have to think about, oh my goodness, like every time you go to the grocery store, like is it literally a life or death situation based off of different products that you're eating because you're thinking you're getting one thing, but then you're getting another thing. So now that I got done with that allergy news article discussion type of thing, I guess I can get right into the second one. Comes right from the Washington Post. It's kind of in relation to today's topic just a little bit because I'm going to be talking about skin and like beauty products. So this is about how face masks are now requiring people to have like extra skincare for them and basically like this article is talking about tips on how to be able to alleviate you know rashes and skin irritations that are coming from wearing these face masks because I know I've seen so many pictures of you know healthcare workers and first responders wearing these masks and they have like these gigantic rashes on their face and I'm like oh my gosh because they're wearing them for like over five hours like eight hours plus 12 hours even and they're getting these insane rashes on their face and sometimes you know like rashes they can burn you know so I thought that this article would be really cool to talk about because I know people can have skin allergies and being able to navigate how to deal with skin irritation so this article it talks about how making sure that you're applying like moisture several times a day just to be able to help with decreasing the friction between your skin and the mask that's going to be on your face and then also using like hypoallergenic soaps and washing your hands and washing your face and warm not scalding but warm water and then making sure that you're patting your um, skin dry using linen or cotton just using something that's less abrasive than basically a paper towel and like for your hands make sure you're moisturizing them with cream or lotion and then if that doesn't work then using like a layer like a lotion layer that has like ointment so whether that's like a petroleum jelly and then like putting on socks over your hands or gloves overnight which is something that I do sometimes if my hands get dry during the winter so that's really helpful and then also washing and then patting dry your hands and then applying like in hypoallergenic moisturizer so whether that's a lotion or a cream and you do that twice so that it can leave like a very thick layer so that the moisture can get into your skin and like make sure that you are keeping your skin very hydrated and keeping it moisturized and then also you can use a vinegar soak too so laying like wet cloths across the irritated parts of your face for about like 15 minutes and doing that three to four times a day can help with being able to um, alleviate some of the skin irritation that you might be getting from the mask. So I thought that was really helpful especially because I know the CDC is mandating that people wear masks literally everywhere whether you're going grocery shopping, going to the park, anywhere. So I thought that would be really helpful to insert that into today's episode. So now that I'm done talking about the allergy news, I guess we can get right into today's topic. So this episode is basically for all of my like hardcore beauty junkies who, you know, appreciate a good foundation and some concealer that can, you know, hide a pimple or even a breakout. And so I know for some people, makeup is their best friend, you know, that's there for you through the good times when you want a hype man for your Beyonce, like I'm feeling myself moments, you know what I'm saying? Or kind of like has that friends, I'll be there for you type of love. Or for those moments, you know, when 
stress catches up with your complexion and you know acne is like having like a break dance in session on your face but one thing that I think some people don't think about is like what happens like when your favorite beauty products are actually you know the reason behind you know your skin stinging and itching or even turning red in literally all the wrong places so I've talked about this on the pod before how allergies you know occur when your body's immune system recognizes like a specific substance aka an allergen as being just harmful to your body and you can be allergic to food you can be allergic to medicine and drugs you can be allergic to mold insects pollen pets and yes you can be allergic to makeup and there are some ingredients in beauty products that can make your skin feel dry or you know even flaky but that's not the same thing as an allergic reaction so the most common type of an allergic reaction for a makeup allergy is known as contact dermatitis so for makeup allergies there's two basic types of skin reactions within that contact dermatitis so the first one is allergic contact dermatitis so that involves your immune system so the symptoms can include you know redness swelling itching and hives and then you can get you know red and raw you can get an allergic reaction pretty much on any part of your body even though it will most often happen you know on your face you know lips eyes neck basically anywhere you put the product at and then with irritant contact dermatitis which is the second basic type that can cause damage to your skin in the area where the product was used so your skin can experience you know itching stinging um burning or blistering so like basically wherever the product is used so this is if you are dealing with irritant contact dermatitis then this is like a clear indicator that your skin is just not comfortable with the ingredients that are present in the makeup product that you just used so some of the culprits behind these reactions from that so some of the culprits that are behind these reactions on your skin include fragrances and preservatives so with fragrances even though products might say that they're either like unscented um, they can have a fragrance that's used to cover up chemical scents and so fragrance it's not only harmful to your skin but it can also lead to respiratory irritation it can even damage uh, your reproductive system which is pretty really scary so you may not smell it but the the fragrance is most likely there and it can cause an allergic reaction and so just to be sure that there is not some type of a fragrance associated with you know anything that you're using whether it's makeup whether it's a lotion a moisturizer a cream etc just look for products that are marked as being fragrance free or just without perfume and so with preservatives preservatives that can also trigger allergies so there's so many cosmetic products that are loaded with so many different preservatives to be able to keep them shelf stable for months or even years which is bonkers that's completely crazy and in order to be able to keep those products usable for a long period of time cosmetic companies they incorporate you know these preservatives into their products like parabens which is very you know one of the most widely used preservatives in cosmetics and parabens they prevent the growth of bacteria and mold which sounds good in theory but researchers have also found you know a relationship between 
between this preservative and dealing with skin irritation and dealing with skin allergies. So this is why you will typically find parabens commonly in like foundations, powders, um, eyeliners, eyeshadows, lipsticks, and blushes. And they're even in makeup removers and toothpaste and even sunscreens. But if you're someone who is affected by parabens, you're gonna wanna avoid basically any product that contains them. And in addition to makeup, other beauty products that are most likely to be able to cause any type of reactions to your skin are like hair dyes, um, sunscreen, um, what else? Uh, bath soaps, um, detergents, um, antiperspirants, and even nail polish. Now, I know you guys are probably thinking, oh my goodness, Valencia, how would you go about treating a makeup allergy? Well, I'm so happy you asked. So the most important thing is to just stop using whatever's causing the reaction like literally right away. That is usually nine times out of 10 enough to be able to fix the problem. But there are like specialized moisturizers out there that can help with moisturizing your skin and being able to reduce any itchiness that is caused by the ingredients in your makeup. And even for something that's like a quick relief option, you can even apply like a cold press to be able to help with reducing any inflammation or any redness and any itchiness that you have on your skin. So some ways that you can avoid um, skin reactions to beauty products like makeup is to just look for products with the fewest amount of ingredients. That's the way to stay on the safe side because you're lowering your chance of having a reaction, especially if they're really good ingredients, natural ingredients, and it's not like dye number five versus maybe something like eucalyptus oil, which is something that that's a little bit more soothing. So making sure that you're looking for ingredients that are typically more on the soothing side, things that are pretty natural and just ingredients lists that don't look like an essay, basically. Um, another way that you can avoid having skin reactions to beauty products is doing a patch test, which is something that from doing my research on this for you guys that I wanna start doing is doing a patch test before using any product. So basically what that is, is when you place a small amount of the product on the inside of your your elbow and then you wait 48 to 72 hours and if you have any like redness swelling itching or burning you just don't use that product again which I think is really cool way to be able to test out if some type of makeup product or any skincare product for that matter works for you without having to affect an other entire part of your body so that if you break out in hives and then like the next day you wake up with them it's not like you will have one whole area of your body affected especially if it's something like a picture day at school or if you're supposed to be taking company headshots, you know, things of that nature. Like you just, if you did like a patch test and you did it on your arm, then you could easily cover it up with like a sweater or something. Whereas if you're taking pictures, you can't really cover your face because I mean, it would still be a picture, but that's the like the money maker as like models and actresses like to say. So uh, it's probably best to just do the patchwork test. I mean, not the patchwork test. It's probably better to do the patch and um, another way that you can avoid having skin reactions is really looking at the labels, which is something that having allergies, you're gonna have to be looking at labels. So just because a label on a product says something is hypoallergenic or dermatologist tested or sensitivity tested or quote unquote non-irritating, that's really not a guarantee that the products will be kind to your skin because everybody's skin is different. And 
I know for me personally, my skin is very, very, very sensitive. And like for an example, which isn't makeup related, but it's still skincare related, is one time I had tried this deodorant when I was younger and I ended up burning my armpit. And it took a while for my armpits to be able to get back to its, you know, regular color. And it was a combination of trying so many different deodorants and going more so the natural route and having to, you know, try so many different brands and just really finding something that works for you. And so for an example, there's this one brand, Tom's, that a lot of people recommend for natural deodorant. And I would try it, but it would kind of work, but then my armpits would be like super, super wet. So then I would get really frustrated because I would end up getting rashes because my armpits were wet and from the deodorant for whatever reason. And then when I ended up finding this other brand, which I now use called Spencer Sisters, their deodorant, it works a lot better for me. So it really just depends because just because a brand might say, oh yeah, this is like sensitivity tested or like whatever, like it doesn't mean that it's gonna work for you and your body. So just make sure that you keep that in mind when you're looking at labels and that some companies they do the testing and other people don't. So there's not really any rules on how those terms can be used on the label. So just keep that in mind when you are going shopping for any of your beauty products for that matter. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode about can you be allergic to makeup? Can you be allergic to beauty products? And how you can tell if you are allergic to beauty products. And if you guys did and you like me talking about these types of allergies that not really a lot of people talk about, then be sure to tweet me. My, my Twitter username is always listed in the show notes. You can also send the Oh My Allergies podcast and Instagram message on our Instagram which is at oh my allergies follow us there while you're at it and if you guys like the content that you're seeing on the podcast and be sure to give this show a rating hopefully it is five stars and I'm always looking for suggestions and things that you guys want to be able to hear and learn about on the podcast so be sure to send that my way through the oh my allergies Instagram it's really helpful just so I know what you guys like to hear and what you guys want to learn about I know different topics that I want to talk about on the podcast that I think you guys would really be interested in learning about and wanting to get a little bit more information about and being able to break down different topics and be able to have a healthy discussion about those topics but I would love to be able to get more feedback from you guys as well just so that I know that you guys are enjoying the podcast and enjoying the content that you're listening to um oh wait if you guys are not subscribed to the podcast already what are you guys doing with your life you guys should definitely hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to your podcast and I will talk with you guys in the next episode. Bye guys.